This is Faye Hansen, and you are listening to the Snow Day Podcast. Well, I have fond memories of all of these boys being in my kitchen, but probably my fondest memory, and I don't remember how old Leslie was, but George was there, and they were all laughing. And I can remember telling Guy that I didn't know boys giggled like George did. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's March 2019. This is episode 24, The Norplex Pool. Snow Day Podcast episode 24 is up and running. We're talking about the Norplex Pool. We just found out this week that the Norplex Pool in Thompson is closing maybe forever. And that shook a lot of people in Thompson to the core and it stung the podcast crew. So we're going to talk about the Norplex Pool and then community facility building off of that. Since we last talked, our numbers still continue to grow. Last we had some people listening in Japan. We're, we are international. We, yeah, we're officially huge in Japan. I've been waiting to drop that joke for years. It's our second largest market after Canada, believe it or not, <laughs> somehow. Oh, right on. I think the, the little boost in, uh, in exposure we got from that Carrie Brown episode, we had listeners this past month, Japan, Thailand, Germany, Finland, all over the world. We're going global, boys. There's no holding wow, us back. Exciting. We're going global. Wow. Here's hoping that we hold on to those listeners like after they've listened to one after the Carrie Brown episode. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting, right? Because a lot of them probably came, you know, they're just sort of like true crime listeners of the Carrie Brown stuff. Into that genre. And it'll be interesting to see if we keep them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. The only other thing, we got lots of good feedback on the little George story. That was for sure the most horrifying tale uh, a friend of mine has ever told, I think. Sebastian was helping me um, do the plungering because it had this really high speed. And we had been doing it for about a week together and he just loved it. He would sit up, I would pass him stuff, he would throw the celery and the tomatoes and the oranges and then plunger it down. And then out of nowhere, and I was looking at him, he was so excited he put his hand down into the spinning. And it was like a Wes Craven movie. He screamed, he put his hand up, and blood flew up the wall on the ceiling (laughs) and around the entire kitchen. It was an insane, but he didn't cut, he didn't cut off his finger. He just shred the tips of his fingers. But you know, he's a little kid. He bled like crazy. Here's the disclaimer. This is gonna be a little unprofessional. There's gonna be some swearing. Some place between a locker room and a church gathering. Nothing we'd be embarrassed to play for our kids or our parents. That's kind of the zone. If you can live with that, welcome aboard. If not, thanks for giving it a try. Four friends trapped 
in a virtual living room by a virtual snowstorm. This is the Snow Day Podcast with Dr. George Alvarez. Swimming is the only thing that will kill you if you don't know how to do it. It is the only thing that a kid absolutely needs to have as a skill set. Speaker, author, and leadership expert, Stephen DeGroot. My first reaction was disappointment, but then actually quite a bit of anger. Entrepreneur and Guy's son, Leslie Hansen. If Norplex Bull hadn't come through my life, my life would be completely different. Memories from Faye and Guy Hansen. I remember that when they built the Norplex pool, I decided our family was going to use it. And we did. We all took swimming lessons. And then Chris became a competitive swimmer and you became a competitive diver, at which point the three of us lived at the pool. <laughs> That's what I remember. What do you mean, three of us? You weren't there much. <laughs> but the boys and I were. And me, I'm Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. I'm the reason that the Norplex pool is closing, guys. Sorry about that. I, I better lead the charge on the fundraising committee. Let's do a check-in. George, we're going straight to you because I'm pretty sure that uh, your little highlight of the last three weeks is better than most of ours. Yeah, I ended up going to Cancun on a family vacation, the four of us, and had a great break. Came back well-rested, well-tanned, and I'm heading off to Quebec City tomorrow for some uh, presentation and work. So that's my big thing. Got a, got a vacation in and uh, getting a ride out east. Life sucks for you. What was the best part of Cancun? You know what? Uh, Sebastian's gotten to the age where he can really tolerate rough surf. And Cancun, that zone of the hotels, is right up against the Atlantic. So they get huge waves. And by huge, I mean like four to five foot waves. So he can now hold his own. And we just, you know, we spent half an hour just diving into waves and getting pushed around and body surfing. So it's become fun because before he was just too little and it was too scary. So for me, it's uh, salt water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and your life sucks, George, just so you know. DVD. Through the podcast, I mentioned the the mafioso, Portuguese mafioso, Rui Lima. Uh, and he reached out, actually, while I was in Montreal. He you know, said he was missing us, so landed right in Winnipeg and went out for dinner with uh, Rui and his wonderful wife, Elizabeth, and we went to the hockey game uh, together. <laughs> just by ourselves. is awesome. So shout out to Rui Lima. Nice. Uh, and uh, I had a great evening. It was great to connect and catch up. Yeah, it was just good. And it was through the Snow Day podcast that he reached out. So it was good. It was cool. Love it. Lester? I was at a wedding last night. Boys feeling it a little bit uh, this morning. I'll be honest about that. <laughs> it's uh, 4.30 in the afternoon, as I call it, as I refer to morning. <laughs> morning after a wedding. My, my girlfriend, who you guys know is uh, primarily an artist, is also a, uh, a trained pastry chef. She doesn't work in that arena anymore professionally. But the uh, wedding we went to last night was a very good friend of hers, and they had asked her to make the wedding cake for wow. them. So uh, that was a, well, shit, yeah, that was a, it was a crazy event. It was an amazing wedding, like super good time. But for the past week, my kitchen has been turned into like a commercial kitchen because 
what guys like us don't think of in terms of making a wedding cake is you generally do it in a kitchen that has a huge oven and huge fridge. So <laughs> she basically took everything out of our fridge and uh, <laughs> I've had a fridge full of like tiers of wedding cake for the last week. And uh, then yesterday I had to go to this event and constructed all this four foot tall, like crazy looking thing. And uh, it was really good. Came off without a hitch, but it was a bit of a, of a wacky week in my life with wedding cake in my kitchen. That's my check-in. Hey, Les, I got to tell yeah. you, that's a big ask from a friend. That's like, yeah, make no my wedding dress. Like, a, that's a, like she's got to be a pretty good friend. I totally agree. And I tried to talk her out of it. Like, they asked, you know, like six, nine months ago, like a long time ago, right? And originally I was like, do you, like, think about what you're getting yourself into. Like, that's a ton of pressure. And she, she was right off the bat, she pointed out, like, I don't know, even know how I would do this at home. You know, you need like a professional kitchen. And I was like, just tell them no. Tell them it's, you know, you're, you know, you're grateful for the ask, but it's really not uh, feasible. But she didn't want to do that. She toughed it out. And uh, yeah, it was, I can tell you, she was unbelievably stressed the final few yeah, days, no like preparing no for it, just thinking like, and yesterday, like, I had to help transport this wedding cake like to the to the event facility yesterday. And I was shitting my pants. I'm like walking down the street carrying stuff, going like, fuck, if I slip on the ice, I'm gonna ruin some woman's wedding. Like it's you know. So yeah, it was uh it was stressful and it's a it's a big a big ask and for not sure. Not only George. ruined the the yeah. bride's uh, life forever, probably your own less, I'd probably <laughs> that's all i was really thinking you know that it was not about the bride and groom at all no alex is actually you know honestly and obviously a much better friend than me because uh and you guys get married again i am not making you a wedding cake just put it that way you won't even pick up george at the uh, at the airport (laughs) (laughs) let's be be honest about all these things let's put it all on the table here brucey where where are you at You know what? I had uh, what I thought was a spectacularly Canadian moment on Friday night. And so Murphy is in the finals of his hockey, his league. They, they had the league final on Friday. The Zamboni broke in Thompson, so they couldn't practice during the week. So they went and practiced on Thursday night at the outdoor rink at Southwood wow. Rink across the street no from way. your old house, Lester, which which is pretty cool. Yeah, they they all got out there and, and did that. Nice. Then he went to play the game. They fixed the Zamboni on Friday and he went to go play the game. And after he had left, I realized that he hadn't sharpened his skates. I didn't cover this on the Stuff episode, but we actually own a skate sharpener. (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of guys on our hockey team a few years ago chipped in and we all paid for the skates. So we own a skate sharpener, so we sharpen our own skates. So I went to go to the rink to pick up the skates and do them for him. Because once you skate on the outdoor rink, your skates are shot for inside. Oh, you're done. Yeah. I realized that Paige had the car and all I had was my brother's snowmobile. So I used his snowmobile to go to the rink and pick up Murphy's skates and then sharpen them at home and took them back to him. So I thought short of bombing along on the snowmobile with a Tim Hortons coffee or a Molson Canadian, um, that was about as Canadian a moment as I could have had. (laughs) I love it. That is awesome. Fun fact, Southwood Skating Rink was my first ever job. I got paid 50 cents an hour to shovel snow off the ice at Southwood Skating Rink. I don't know. The funny thing is when I was a recreation director, I was then in charge. I was the guy paying the 50 cent kids, the child labor. <laughs> no, no. You were, you were the guy paying the city of Thompson employee 10 bucks an hour who would then pay me 50 cents an hour to do his job yeah, for him. Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. <laughs> Without a doubt. 
I remember walking home from Southwood Rink and just being so incredibly cold. And now when I look back, it's not even very far. But it, at the time, like skating home from Southwood Rink a block and a half. <laughs> it might only have been about 100 yards from my house. <laughs> oh, totally. Right? Like it's basically yeah, just down across that the street from your house. Over to Oak street, yeah. <laughs> and actually, Les, as a fact, I remember helping you shovel the Southwood Rink one time. I do. I remember going out there doing it. I think I remember yeah. that too, Steve. Yeah. You had Steve shoveling it for 25 cents and you were getting 50 Lester? <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't even for 25 cents. He would let me warm up at his house. Steve, I'm going to give you sweet fuck all to help me. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go sit in the shack with the guy that's making 10 bucks an hour. The Norplex pool was evaluated by a bunch of engineers this past week, and the report that came back was terrifying to our city council. They came out in the media and announced that the Norplex pool is permanently closed. There's some issues with the roof. There's some electrical issues. So bad that uh, people couldn't be allowed back in the building anymore, um, that they were going to start right away to look at building a new pool. Um, and we're hoping to have one within a year, which I think is totally unrealistic. And as soon as we heard that, I mean, there was a huge outcry. We had some articles on CBC, on CTV. Obviously, it was a big buzz around the community. And the first thing I think is people are disappointed. And then you start to look back on the Norplex pool and your memories there. And our little group chat blew up as soon as that happened. And we figured if we're sitting in a living room, this is what we're going to be talking about. I feel like I remember the day that the pool opened, I remember my parents talking about Thompson getting a pool and how excited they were about that and how great a thing that was. And I feel like I was there on one of the first days when it opened with a whole bunch of people in bathing caps. The first couple of years, they made everybody wear yeah. bathing caps. It was so packed that there was just people sitting around the outside and it was just nuts in there. Now, do you guys remember that or am I reconstructing that from pictures? In yeah, the I remember newspaper? that. And Bruce, my dad was like involved on the committee to bring to make that happen. I don't know if you remember, his name was on the plaque in the lobby with the 12, 12 or so people that were there. So it was a pretty big deal. But yeah, the, everyone was the white bathing caps. Uh, mine had a red Canadian leaf uh, on the on the side. I do remember the bathing <laughs> cap rule. Everybody had to wear bathing caps when that pool first. Maybe that was just every public pool in the 70s. I don't know. I mean, it's the only one we knew, right? So who knows? But yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was like um, those old pictures, those old time pictures, like, you know, the opening of something special. It was packed. Yeah, I don't remember the day it opened, Bruce, but Steve, I do remember your father's name being on that yep. plaque um, because I, I used to spend so much time standing around in the lobby waiting for my mom to come pick me up that I would read everything front to back and sideways. But Bruce, I remember going to Norplex Pool with you because your mom was in the pool with us. And I don't know, maybe you knew how to swim. I did not know how to swim. Like I learned how to swim at Norplex Pool. I can remember the first time I like put my face down in the water and started doing proper front crawl and my mom like cheering me on from the side. But I also can remember being in the shallow end of the pool because we weren't allowed to go in the deep end because we could not swim. And it was you and me and your mom. And maybe, maybe Shannon or Chris, I don't know. Shannon might have been too young. Yeah, we were young, man. <laughs> young. I remember taking swimming lessons with Dolores Krentz. Diane Lowen, Marilyn Redekop, Bridget Sinclair. Oh, there were more, but those are the names that I, I remember. That's pretty cool, given that 
Bruce and George and uh, Steve, we all shared that experience of the Norplex mm -hmm. as kids. Mm -hmm. It's funny to hear that like all the moms were taking swimming lessons together at the same time. So. Well, I think partly we took swimming lessons because our children were using the pool and we went to family swim and we were responsible for them. So yeah. we had to learn to swim, although for me it was difficult. Yeah. <laughs> what year did it open, guys? I think it was 1976. Yeah, I, I was going to say 76, 77 yeah. maybe. I mean, we don't want to get too deep into the history lesson, but the, the two interesting things that I've sort of more learned as an adult was, first of all, we built it in hopes of getting the Canada Games. That was... Mm -hmm. A big, big part of the reason that, that they did that and we're hoping to attract the games and, and Brandon ended up getting the games and has prospered much more as a city probably than Thompson did. Now there's a whole bunch of different factors there, but it's an interesting question whether that would have really boosted sort of the fate of Thompson in some interesting ways. The other thing, and Steve, top marks to your dad, because from what I've heard from everyone I talked to, it was a bloodbath in town yeah. around yeah. spending the money and going ahead with the pool. Like it wasn't just sort of like everybody cheering it on. Yes, we should get a pool. Let's yep. give money to that. There was some really, really hard meetings around that. No, it was, it wasn't easy. That's for sure. There was a lot of, like there was a lot of controversy and a lot of um, relationships tested during that time. It's called Norplex, Northplex, because it was supposed to then have an arena attached to it and a community center and all those other things if we got the games and, and we didn't. And now we have a community center on the other side of town. So it's funny that that big rec complex idea keeps perpetuating itself. And I think for some reason, the number $75,000 sticks in my head as a number associated with the pool, which today just seems ridiculous that people fought and shed blood over what, yeah. <laughs> what isn't very much money for a facility that we would all be absolutely heartbroken if it wasn't there just continue on like i said like lester you're right you and i probably put our face underwater almost for the first time at the norplex pool um we spent all kinds of time there as kids learned to swim there when i was the recreation director i was actually ultimately in charge of the norplex pool for a while which is kind of a a strange sort of thing taught my kids to swim there the one of the lifeguards said to me when they were younger i said what time when should i put them into swimming lessons and Steve and George, you know this. And they said, really, swimming lessons aren't that important. You have to bring them to the pool all the time. And so for 12 years, we went to the pool twice a week and <laughs> did the little kid thing for a while. You know, like the put your pajamas on when we're done swimming because we're going straight home to bed. And, you know, went from sitting on those steps. We all know the steps in the shallow end when that was as deep yeah. as we were going to go. An hour of sitting there all the way up to, you know, diving off the high yeah. diving board. So and as a student one time at Christmas, I helped yeah. build the water slide. Oh, wow. Yeah. My mom wouldn't stand for me just sitting around at home. So it was like, hey, I found you a job. And, and I was on this giant lift building the water slide. Now it turns out that the structural integrity of the water slide is really poor right now. And that's one of the reasons they're closing the pool. So maybe I had- I was gonna say, you might wanna keep that fact to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the reason that the Norplex pool is closing, guys. No. Sorry about that. I, I better lead the charge on the fundraising <laughs> yeah. committee. Bruce, I have a quick question for you because you're, uh, you're our boots on the ground there. Is this a bit of a scandal? Like I'm wondering how a large city owned and operated facility like that is allowed to erode from an engineering and structural standpoint to the point that engineers come in and go, shit, we're closing this thing down permanently today. Like that doesn't usually happen, right? Because you usually have to have safety inspections of some kind on a continuous basis. So when this news came out, is this a bit of a, like, did it blow up? Not just the argument over, okay, where and how are we going to build a new pool and should we build a new pool? 
but the whole fact that that somebody you know screwed up and let the pool die on their watch 100% that's talk around town and there's no definitive answer, right? But if you're hanging out by what used to be the fountain in the mall, that's a big question is, was our past city council, I don't want to say lazy because that seems like too hard of a word, but, yeah. uh, you know, just just let this one slip. But but maybe partly was just sort of thinking, you know what, we've only got another year, or year and a half. So we're just, this is somebody else's problem kind of thing. I mean, there's been lots of talk uh around the pool all kinds of trouble just with the bones of the like not the bones but the electrical system and keeping the water hot it's been open and closed a lot over the last few years so i think everybody knew that it was eroding but this really caught everybody off guard that now all of a sudden it's so bad that we just can't allow people into it anymore and there's lots of finger pointing around that yeah that that how did we not see that coming and i think sort of people did but lots of it was just this is a hard one to understand and right now it's open so you know we just let it go another day and let it go another day and finally i guess it kind of caught up with us yeah that's really unfortunate and i hope that that your community and our community gets to the bottom of that because that's you know this should have been a story that everybody in town was talking about when the engineers said guys if we don't do this we're going to have to close this pool a year from today and then you would have had a year for the competitive swim team to figure out what the hell they're going to do. Yeah. It should never get to the point where they're walking in and saying, hey, everybody out, this roof is going to compl- collapse. <laughs> and nobody, nobody saw it coming. You know, that's, that's really unfortunate. Anyway, I don't want to dwell on that. It just yeah. pisses me off. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, my frustration, I think, is I feel like there probably is a contingency plan here. Like some of the some of the roof troubles is over top of the, the change rooms and not the actual tank of the pool. And so can we use ATCO trailers? Can we use, you know, buses to keep people warm? There's, like, is there some other way that we can kind of keep this going? And, and I do kind of wonder, and I haven't talked to anybody about this, if a little bit of it is almost a scare tactic or a shock tactic to say, holy cow, this is really bad. Now we take a step back and find a way to keep it open for a couple of years, but people are, are rattled enough to really fundraise and really get the attention of the province. I don't know, that sort of sounds like tinfoil hat conspiracy theory guy stuff, but maybe there is a small element yeah. of it to that. Mm-hmm. Lester, because you spent as much time as anybody there, and I mean, we might not have a pool for people's kids to swim in. How different could your life have been if there was no Norplex. Yeah, you know, Bruce, uh, when you tossed that out as an angle of this pod and I started thinking about it, I can't even, I don't think I can even answer that question. Like, it's just, it's hard to comprehend. I mean, if Norplex pool hadn't come through my life, my life would be completely different. I would not have gotten involved in diving. I would not have left home at the age of 14. You know, it's one of those like butterfly effect things in your life. Like my life would have been completely, completely different. Might have been just as good, might have been better. Who knows? Like I'm not being dramatic, but that pool was absolutely foundational for me. I remember very clearly the day I walked out of the change room from my swimming lesson and I was eight years old and my mom said, they're signing up kids over there for diving lessons. Do you want to take diving lessons? And I was like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> why not? We, I don't think there was a sport that we ever said no to when we were little, right? Never. That question my mom asked me as an eight-year-old kid laid the foundation for the path that my life took for the next 20 years. You know, I, I went very quickly, like by the time I was nine, I was spending five hours a day at that pool most days. I'd go there for a morning workout. used to get up and trudge through the snow. Fortunately, living in the south end of the city, we lived pretty close to the pool. If I had been uh, living in Riverside, 
I don't know, my, <laughs> my parents might not have been able to sustain the... Uh... Or hemlock, like, uh, like George and I lived, like we had the longest walk to the pool. <laughs> Which still wasn't very far, though. Compared to Bruce and I, still wasn't very far. I feel like my entire childhood is, is tied up in that building. I found out about it actually because through social media. One of my old teammates, Kelly Harbour, who's now Kelly House, reached out to a bunch of us from the old diving team and just said, holy shit, this story just came out today. So there was a good, good Facebook sort of reminiscing chat that I was involved in, which was, uh, which was nice. Yeah, it's hard to believe. It's, it definitely feels like it'll leave a little hole in my heart when that place closes. So who knows, Bruce, maybe you're right that there'll be a lifeline and they'll, they'll keep it going one way or another. A, a facility like that in a remote city is incredibly important culturally. George, it's almost like you're not even on the line ever since we heard the Cancun thing. We got mad at you and just wouldn't let you talk. You're obviously not a world-class diver, but uh, Norplex Pool? You know, I can do a pretty good cannonball. So, you know, <laughs> kind of like left. Yeah, this was a really, for me, kind of a one-two punch when I heard this because another big thing happened recently, and that's Don Johnson Jewelers. After 50-plus years in the institution, has closed down. So my sister's directly involved in that. And then I heard about this Norplex pool and, you know, you guys know I immigrated and I started living in Thompson when I was almost six years old. So the pool was a huge thing to me because I was not in any organized sport because I came from an immigrant family and they didn't, you know, you always see leisure as important, less diving, playing hockey. I mean, all of those things weren't really availed to me. So the pool was a big deal. And, you know, my memories stem from, you know, walking with you guys, usually the group boys, with frozen hair through the Birdwood Trail, of course, and stopping <laughs> at that candy shop. Uh, yeah. and I can't remember yeah. what that candy shop was called, but that was a big uh, deal for me. And then, I don't know if, Steve, you remember what that candy shop in the Birdwood Trail, of course, was called. I want to say L&M yeah, or something yeah, like L&M. that. Yeah, it was the, wasn't it the Miscavige's that had part of it? Like uh, Billy Miscavige's just. They ran it right in the middle of the trailer course. It was right on our way home. Absolutely. Yeah. That is an awesome memory, George. Yeah, Jesus, I forgot about that place too. Wow. <laughs> and I remember eating blue whales, like going there and yeah. buying, yeah. you know, five cent blue whales. So it was yeah. a big memory for me and, you know, just the independence as a kid. But in particular, I even think about Calgary. A pool for a Canadian family going through a winter is ridiculously important. I'm like Bruce. I'm in the water on cold days when my kids don't have other organized sports all the time. My kid's right now at the pool with a family member because it's minus 20. So if you live through a Canadian winter, having an indoor facility with water provides a ridiculous amount of recreation for kids. I try to come home to Thompson every year and I'm coming home this year again. And I always take my kids to the Norplex pool because of that memory and be, because now they have a water slide that it's hilarious that Bruce is responsible for building that water slide. Like I, 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 I love, I love that connection and like I'll run up and down that water slide with my kids for a long time. So for me, it, it was a gut punch only because it was such an outlet, an independent outlet coming from an immigrant family that didn't particularly value like recreation is an important thing because if I didn't do it, then it never got done. But just fast forward through 40 years of my life and having a family, a pool is, if people think about it, a pool is a huge deal in a Canadian winter. Like if you're not on the ice, like it's a big deal. So that's my comment. And then I want to throw in one comment when I became friends with Les 
And Chris Hansen started to drown me in the tub when I used to go over to Les's house <laughs> to eat lunch. He almost drowned me at the Norplex pool because him and Les were like, he was a really good swimmer. Obviously, Les was a really good diver. And I remember going there and Chris snuck up behind me. He was friends with Mike DeGroote. And he put me, hit my head underwater, and I thought I was going to drown. So that's my almost <laughs> drowning story. And it was because of Chris Hansen. He always tried to drown me. <laughs> Special moments. That's funny, George, because not only was Chris a, a competitive swimmer, but he was also a lifeguard and worked for several years as a lifeguard at North Bucks Pool. <laughs> so <laughs> he probably should not have been drowning you when he was not working. <laughs> yeah. And I hope it was in his off hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My near drowning story was actually at the hands of Deidre Dixon. We had oh, yeah. uh, we went there in high school in one of our phys ed classes and we were playing water polo and she was a lifeguard. Actually taught lifeguarding uh we were sort of fighting for the ball in the middle of the pool and she was such a stronger swimmer than me that it was ridiculous and same thing she put me under and i thought oh this is this well, curtain's uh, all so over shout out to Deidre. she was stronger in everything than all of us then <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah not just swimming yeah. did you guys know that my house she used to live here we bought it oh, from wow. her and lawrence yeah. crazy yeah there you go little juniper jaguar connection I don't know if you guys remember this, before the Norplex came in, over at the arena, they had the indoor pool in what I think is, is the Gordon Beard now. They had uh, a big pool, like an above ground pool. When yeah. we moved from Ontario, we were big swimmers. Like my family, we spent our time in the water. Like we could swim by the time we were three, four years old. So when we got to the Norplex pool, our biggest deal was proving that we could get into the deep end right away. So we were going off the diving board. We lived in that pool. Other than being a competitive diver or a competitive swimmer, Dave and I were there all the time. And there's lots of swimming right, right till nine o'clock, right, Bruce? Like that's why we were like, you know, George and Dave and I, we'd walk in the winter and our hair would be frozen immediately, of course, because it was minus 30 <laughs> uh, or, or lower. But more importantly than that, what, we spent so much time there that when we had children and I brought Bray and Zane back, we spent a lot of time there and it was a really cool connection to see them enjoy the pool like I enjoyed it. You know, you know, tell them don't swim under the bulkhead, but wait till the lifeguard wasn't looking and swim under the bulkhead. <laughs> um, you know, and even when Dave, you know, before he passed away, every time he came to Thompson with his kids, we took them to the Norplex pool. Uh, and we still did right up until last year, right? And the big thing is getting his boys because we were, you know, the group boys always you know, pushing the edge and trying to do things that you're not allowed to. We had Jasper jumping off the three meter uh, at four, no, five years old, right? So, like, which, which, if you understand how tall that is, it's it's crazy. But you know, um, yeah, just reliving those moments over and over at the Norplex pool, not just with us, but with our kids. Um, so it was huge. So I, I agree with Les and and you, Bruce and George. Like, my first reaction was disappointment, but then actually quite a bit of anger. How could they let something like this happen? You know, something that has been so important to so many people, just all of a sudden one day, oh, by the way, this is too unsafe. Let's close it. So I, I had a, the feelings weren't mixed at all. It was more like a quick, uh, a quick, short disappointment into anger. This is great too, just reminiscing about our, our, our moments there for sure. Do any of you guys remember doing basically swimming lessons, but you had to do a first aid thing and learning mouth to mouth and actually having to do it with a real person? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. When you did, when you did uh, like bronze medallion, bronze cross training in the eighties, you, there was no dummy. You did, you paired up and did, uh, you learned mouth to mouth with a partner and you hope there was a pretty girl in your class. I was the dummy in that for sure. But Terry Nort was the person that I had to do it with. And I work with her now and I see her every day. <laughs> there aren't many days that go by that I don't think, hmm. She was a lot back in the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Are there any awkward moments by the water cooler, Bruce? Like, I, like when you guys both reminisce simultaneously, and does it get like just there's this moment of like awkwardness? There's a little dream sequence, yeah, where we both start to come together and then we, we snap out of it. And we're like, whoa. Dream sequence. It, it's not 1984 anymore. Stupid rules. Stupid yeah, rules. Yeah, darn it. I hate society now. Um, and Bruce, I remember I used to love it because your mom liked to come to the pool. And when she would come, that meant we could get into family swim. Because remember, there was time blocked <laughs> yeah. off for family that you had to have a parent with you. Yes. So, yes. I mean, I was a pool rat, right? Like, I, my, my reminisce is I can remember going to Saturday morning workouts. So, I'd be at the pool from like 9 till 12. And then there was a time where the pool would actually close because public swimming didn't start till like 2 o'clock or something. And we used yeah. to hide in the, there were a couple places in the building where we could hide so we wouldn't have to leave. And then we'd wait for the pool to reopen. And I would just hide out there and wait for Steve and Dave <laughs> to come down. And then we would do like a couple hours of public swimming. And then Bruce, if you yeah. came with your mom, we could stay for family swim. And there were days that I yeah. spent, you know, like 10 hours literally at Norplex pool and never left. Stole. I don't know what I ate. Like I honestly, I don't know how I how I got fed. I guess we used to have all sorts of. There was the snack. There was the machine. snack machine that we used to know how to rip off. If you if you stuck yeah. your arm up, you could like pull the cup down and get a and rip off the cup of soup. Remember, there was a coffee machine that made cup of soup. Yeah, that's uh, a awesome. lot of a lot of public swimming time, goofing around doing cannonballs. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the big challenge was not like I spent a lot of time sitting on the side because if you guys remember. Your first war first or two warnings, you had to they would blow the whistle and you would have to sit on the side of the pool until they mm -hmm. told you you could go back in. And the big deal for us was like pushing the limits without getting kicked out. Because like, man, I don't know if you ever got kicked out, but it was the worst thing ever. There's an hour left and the whistle goes and they say you got it and you have to plea your case. Um, and uh, yeah, you'd have to sit in the bleachers and watch everybody else swim through the glass. <laughs> that was to me the the, the worst moment. <laughs> Well, Les, you'll love this because Murph and I were still working that family uh, swim angle just a little while ago, but him and I went swimming <laughs> like less than a year ago, and we went to family swim even though he was 17 years old because there's less people there. So, yeah, for so, sure. Family swim was we've, good. We've, we've been working that for two generations. Yeah, it was awesome. So it was And fun. nobody was ever in the diving end for family swim, so it was always like just, you know, dive, run right back up, dive, run right back up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the big challenge going off at Georgie's cannonball thing was who could splash the ceiling uh, by yeah. the three meter. Right, yeah, that yeah. was the that was the big challenge. The can opener. That's actually what. Yeah, the can, yeah, the can opener. The jack knife. Yeah. yeah. Can opener. Dave was really good at that. <laughs> Dave was really yeah, and he did the UD. It's now called the Uncle Dave. It's the UD. He did that thing where he went off the uh, the three meter and he tilted on a forty five degree angle and he covers his face and it makes the most incredible splash. But yeah. if you miss that one. It doesn't feel good. And you could you could also do that if you remember the uh, the viewing gallery was on the three meter side and it was open, right? There wasn't like yeah, a, yeah. like plexiglass or anything before the yeah, water slide yeah. was put in. So if you did that correctly and leaned back towards that side, yeah, you could actually wood, splash yeah. up into where people were sitting. <laughs> that got me thrown out a couple times. <laughs> So as soon as the Norplex pool closed, there was a rallying cry right away, right? Who's starting the committee? When are we going to start fundraising? You know, we're, we're not happy with this. We can't not have a pool. 
And it, it got me to think, because we're a small town, do we all of a sudden think that it's our responsibility to rally and get another pool built? Like you were saying, Steve, your dad was on the committee that did it the first time and pushed for it and raised money. If I was in a big city, and we're going to take Calgary as an example right now, if the pool in your neighborhood closed, George, would you start phoning your friends and would everybody start saying, okay, who's, who's leading the charge? How are we getting this done? Or would you look around and say, the city of Calgary has to build us a new pool for all the reasons that you just listed saying this is why we need pools in our community. So for sure in Thompson, the first thought by everybody was, yes, the city's got to put some money into it, but we're going to make a committee to, to do this. Uh, would that be the same in Calgary? Yeah, good question. So uh, Calgary is a, is a great place to raise a family. It's tied with Las Vegas as the youngest cities in North America. I mean, our average age is 38 and a half or 39. So super, super young city. So as a consequence, every neighborhood has its corresponding association. So I've been part of the Killarney Association, the Wildwood, and now the Glendale Association. And every small uh, sub-quadrant of the city has an association where I pay due so I can play tennis during the summer. Somebody upkeeps the outdoor rink. Uh, and they have like, you know, Halloween events and Christmas events. It's actually surprisingly well organized here, probably just because of the youth of, of the town. So if something like that happened, uh, and I've already did this for, you know, a, an unrelated topic, which I won't bring up, but I actually just go to the association because they're actually quite plugged into our city councillors. So they know they vote with their feet. And so we have quite a strong grassroots here, like local. Like I would never consider going to the city. I would go to my local association and say, hey, let's do something about this. Or every community I've worked in, they've had, you know, road bumps, um, circles built into their communities to slow down traffic, a, a solar-powered stop sign uh, closer to uh, schools. So, uh, yeah, it's actually surprisingly impressive here. Like I would just go to my local um, neighborhood association. That's what I would do. Now, would you, would you go to your local thing and say, hey, we need a solar-powered stop sign or we need another diving board at the pool? Or would you and a couple of your friends get together and start writing grant applications and meet every Monday night and strategize for where all the money for the pool is going to come? Oh, no, I wouldn't do any of that because I'm way too busy. What I usually <laughs> do is nominate like a stay-at-home mom to do it because they're unbelievable when they get the bin in their teeth. Like, it's usually somebody that has extra time. Let's like stay at home parents is the obvious adult to do it. And uh, they usually rally along with the school board because those two things often coexist, right? Because the argument is for family and children. So the teachers and the students, sort of a PTA type organization, would come together and petition for them to change whatever they want to locally. So, in this case, would be to refurbish an outdoor pool. For example. Okay, so so those groups those groups are out there and it's happening. You're just not one of them. Very easy, very easy to get to here. Yeah, surprisingly. Any other thoughts on that, Lester? Uh, do you have a community committee where you're you're at? Same same kind of story in the heart of Toronto. Um, no, I th that was interesting. What George just described. I'll be honest. Maybe that does exist in Toronto, and I just don't know about it. I'm certainly not uh, engaged in it or in touch with it. The you know, large city, small city aspect of this question. You know, if a pool, if my neighborhood pool, which uh, here in Toronto is the Jimmy Simpson Rec Center, which is only a couple blocks from my place, they have a pool. 
if it shut down, it well it wouldn't affect my life at all right now because I never go there. But uh, I think in a large city, when something like that closes, you move to the next closest pool. So people are put out, but they're not wiped out, right? Like maybe George has to drive his kid an extra 15 minutes to swim practice, but there's still another swimming pool to go to. Like even in Winnipeg, when they would shut Pan Am pool for some kind of maintenance, we would go and spend a week training on the really shitty diving boards at uh, Seven Oaks or something like that. There's another pool available. Cindy Clausen now, but yeah, same, same pool. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And so the difference in a situation like this is Thompson has one pool. So if you, if you don't replace that pool, you're taking an enormous thing out of a community. I think I want to make a strong pitch for the reason it should be replaced a couple different ways. Because when I first started thinking about this, I thought, you know, you guys should talk about it. Nobody's going to listen to my point of view. You know, obviously Les is going to say every, every town should have a pool because he's a pool guy. So I tried to figure out, like, how, how can I build my argument away from my own personal bias to swim pools? And I think where my thinking landed on that is what the reason it's important for a city like Thompson, for two reasons, small city and very isolated, right? It's not like you can go an hour away to the next city to train if you want to. Like, Thompson's a very isolated place. It's really important for the enrichment of life in that community to provide a diversity of opportunities. Because, I mean, take away the fact that, you know, it's important to be able to teach water safety. Like, are you going to have an entire generation of Thompson kids who grow up not knowing how to swim and not being able to take lifeguarding lessons? And I mean, that's not good from a, from a public health and safety standpoint. So that's an issue to be considered. It's even kind of the whole, not the whole North, I don't want to try to get that grandiose, but kids from Nelson House, kids from Wobo, yeah, kids sure. from Split Lake even, they bus in, like their school programs bust them in to take swimming yeah. lessons. So there's, yeah. there's a huge and piece of Northern Manitoba. Yeah. But I, I want to come back to saying, I think it's incredibly important to kids growing up to have a diversity of opportunities of different sports and arts, right? Because we can say, we can get into the whole, do you, as a community, do you fund sports or do you fund arts? And you have to find a balance of that as well. You know, growing up in a, in a city like Thompson, everybody's going to play hockey. Well, some kid is not going to be good at hockey. Either they don't want to play hockey, they don't like skating, or they're just, they want to, but they're shitty at it. So what is that kid going to do? You've got to put other opportunities for kids to find their own thing that ends up becoming their thing. That argument holds for anything, not just a pool. It holds for ensuring that as a community, you're funding infrastructure that allows for a, a rich cultural existence when you're living there and, and especially when you're growing up there. And I think that's incredibly, incredibly important. I really hope that the city sees it that way, you know, because oftentimes when you look at a uh, public funding situation like this, it comes down to who's on city council. Are they pool people or not? It's it's a lot of the time how, how decision gets made. But I hope the community comes together. And Bruce, I'll throw this out there. If there's anything I can do to throw my shoulder into assisting in any way, if there's like a community outreach or a, a public outreach at all to get a new pool built in Thompson, Manitoba, I, I will absolutely lend my my voice and anything else I can to that effort. It's on the public record now, so you can't get away from us. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
hey, Les, let's take it a step further. Guys, let's start. I'll pitch in $1,000 right now. If people want to start a public-private funding, I got some money to throw at my hometown. I'll start at 1000 go from there. Wow. I will match that. I'll match that $1,000. But because we are saying this publicly, I don't want some half-assed uh, GoFundMe page put up. We talked about that in our charity event. Like, I want to know that, it's, yeah. uh, that there's a proper uh, legal structure putting, being put around our charitable donations. <laughs> Beyond that, I think it's really important what George said about, you know, he's busy. He doesn't have time to necessarily do these things. Somebody has to find the time to do it. Bruce, you're our boots on the street. Tell us what we can do to help. I'm putting you in charge. We got to get a new pool built in Thompson, Manitoba. <laughs> Appreciate that. There's probably a small movement or several movements already started. Uh, I think it would be good to, to kind of connect with, you know, what has the reaction been? What do people in the community feel is necessary? Yeah, because it's an interesting question as well, right? Like why this is a city-owned property. Should the city not be responsible for building a new pool? I know last time, I, I if I remember correctly, and Bruce and Steve, you might know, the city ended up owning and operating Norplex, but wasn't it built by at least partially funded by the Lions? Or the Rotary, the Rotary. If I'm correct in my memory, it was the Lions who spearheaded this. Uh, Harold Krentz was a Lion, Bruce's dad. So good on the Lions for doing that. A fair bit of the money raised the first time was sort of that private or a service group or something like that. It wasn't just that the city took out a debenture for $100,000 and built a pool. Yeah, Inco should have built that pool. Yeah, no, uh, Inco paid for the water for uh, uh, 40 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a couple thoughts on that. First of all, Steve and I uh, are starting the GoFundMe page, so just send us each the $1,000 and we'll take care of it less. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make sure that that gets well spent. No, totally. Here's an interesting thing for me, though, how you said that, Les, that you've officially put me in charge of the, the push for the new pool, and some of those names are going to come up, right? Harold Smith and Pauline use the pool every morning at 6 in the morning, or they did... Um, you know, until it closed. Those are some of the names that come up right away as maybe people that'll be involved in this. I really think it's younger parents. I think I've I've timed out of this. I have a role in this. There's no doubt about it. And I'm going to be involved and I'm probably going to give $1,000 like you and a bunch of my time. It's got to be somebody who has kids that are three and four years old or two and three saying, look, I have 20 years of these kids being in this pool and this is important to me. It's also a chance for our community to refresh. I think this is a real opportunity for a new generation of volunteers to step up and maybe not do a bunch of fundraising, but do some advocating. Yeah. I'm not trying to shirk my duties that you've put on me, but... Uh... <laughs> you guys have uh, very recently had a very successful provincial event go through Thompson, Manitoba. I mean, you guys can lean on that energy and that success. You're 100% right. I'm actually wearing the Manitoba Games uh, long sleeve t-shirt right now. So it had a big impact on us. And you're right. And that was a younger generation of volunteers. So we can definitely build on that. Bruce, I'm not trying to set you up and say that you have to do it. I think your responsibility to the pod is just to be our information source back to how we can help and how we can get involved. I'm willing to put in more than, than just finances. Tell me, who do I write a letter to? Who do I get on the phone with? Like, what can I do? Short of flying to Thompson and coming to a city council meeting, which I would actually consider <laughs> doing if I had to. I'd love to have you and Guy up here to do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they let Guy into city council meetings anymore. <laughs> this is a serious proclamation on this public record. We got less hands in doing everything. I'm just going to sit back. Well, you know what's funny, Steve? <laughs> I never thought of any of this until we started talking right now. But the more yeah, I, oh, hear I can myself feel it. say it, I can... yeah, the more, yeah. Uh, yeah. the more I want to say, yeah. This is important. 
Like this is really important. Yeah, it's one of those things where we start talking about how important the pool is to us, right? You know, when you stop uh, and reflect and you, you know, the, the various, you know, the significant elements to our health, to our social development, to our opportunity, you know, to diversify in different types of activities. Thompson is surrounded by water. Where do people learn to save lives if it's not in a pool during the yeah. nine months of winter? Like, like yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, you start adding up um the you know the, the variety of important factors that the pool represents it shouldn't even become whether whether one gets rebuilt it's how does it get rebuilt that is the question exactly in one of the articles i read they were talking about the competitive swim team i mean i just felt gutted reading that when i thought like how i would have felt when i was 13 years old training for national championships, like my whole life revolved around what I was doing at that pool. If you had just told me all of a sudden, yeah, sorry, the pool is going to close and you can't train anymore. I can't imagine what the, how those kids, how gutted those kids are. Can't imagine. That's just, that's terrible. Yeah. Devastation. Is the pool a little bit of a poor cousin in the realm of recreation facilities? Partly because they cost a lot to run. And so that one's an easy one for city councils and stuff to say, you know, we'd like to not have to worry about this because it costs money. We all subsidize every pool everywhere. They're expensive to run, but there's so many good reasons to have them. If the school gym had been declared unusable, would the outcry be even bigger? Or if the arena all of a sudden, you know, the roof was going to fall in and we said, OK, no kids can play hockey ever again in Thompson. Can you imagine oh, yes. what would have happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's where it comes down to, you know, a, a community has to decide how they're going to allocate funds, right? Like, because, yeah, pools are really expensive. Like you talk about the different sporting opportunities that, that kids have. Hockey is an incredibly expensive sport. Bruce, you grew up through it. You guys have all, Steve, you got kids in it now, probably just draining your wallet, all of the equipment you have to buy all the time. To be a swimmer, you need a Speedo. It's cheap, but <laughs> you need to go train in a facility that has to be publicly funded because it's incredibly expensive. So those funds either flow out of your pocket to your kid's activity or out of your tax payments into all kids' activities one way or another. Allotting funds in society for what we think is important, uh, a diverse environment where kids can try different things is incredibly important. And a pool is, a, is one example of that. When I was at the recreation center, if we had free public skating, the numbers went up a little bit. There was a small bump. If we had free public swim, the numbers went up double. So the Norplex pool can handle 100 kids. On a Friday night, normally 50 kids would come swimming. If it's free, there's 100. And we would usually turn 25 to 30 away at the door because we couldn't let them in. So swimming is wow. important. And we have a social responsibility, I think, to have a pool. The other one for me with Thompson, with the pool closing, is just we've had a downturn at the mine. Thompson isn't 25,000 people like it was in 1976. Things aren't the best right now, although we're doing all right. If we say, no, we're not fixing the pool, is this almost like having an old car where you say, you know what, I'm not fixing the door handle on the passenger side because is it really worth it? This is a chance for us to gut check the province and the city and say, What's our commitment to Thompson? Because we as a community, exactly like what you said, George, can't not have some certain facilities. And the pool to me is one of them. How do we attract young families 
if we don't have a pool and we don't have some of those other things, the nice walking paths and, uh, and some of those other amenities. And so to me, this, there's even a little bit bigger angle in this is how, how committed are we? And it's a scary one. Yeah, beginning of the end. Yeah. It could be the beginning of the end, right? It better not be. Better not be, exactly. So don't let it be. Any last thoughts? That's, we, we've gone a little long, George. I think you've got to get to work pretty soon. One of the things I think about the Norplex pool as the community grew for a while, it's like way out there, away from the arena, away from the curling club. Should your facilities be spread out in your town? So if I live in the old trailer court in Thompson and we put everything at the TRCC, every activity I want to go to is a long way away and it sucks. Whereas right now, if the pool's there, at least you've got the pool that's close by. Who knows, Lester? Like you said, you might have become a diver partly because you lived on Dominion Bay. Yeah, good point. Um, I was the closest. <laughs> Georgie, you got anything left? It's we've been going for a long time. No, I think Les, I think it's brought up the best point about providing the diversity that a community needs for recreation. There's there's not very many jobs in the NHL. There's only about twenty a year, and most people won't make a career in any sport. But swimming is the only thing that will kill you if you don't know how to do it. It is the only thing that a kid absolutely needs to have as a skill set. So that alone is an argument to have that pool. That's a good one. It's the closing segment on the Snow Day podcast. When is the last time you... When's the last time Guy brought something to the house that you didn't want? (laughs) (laughs) probably yesterday (laughs) I don't think I better answer that one (laughs) the last time Guy brought something in here that I didn't want was probably last week when he had been to the flea market and he came home with some piece of material that he thinks is wonderful and I don't (laughs) But instead of dealing with that, I would like to talk about something else. I would like to talk about the fact that at one point in a grad sale, I managed to uh, uh, walk out with a unicycle, you know, one of those (laughs) sit on the seats and you pedal along. And I I guess maybe I didn't trust my own children with them. They'd get hurt or something. I lent it to Bruce Krentz. And you know, that was the last time I ever saw that unicycle. I never got it back. When was that day? (laughs) Oh, million years ago (laughs) (laughs) it it was it was probably i would say 1992 oh you do remember i do remember i still have the unicycle do you bruce i do i'll tell you a little bit more about the unicycle okay good news for that particular unicycle is my mom's husband ed works at a welding shop and i outgrew the unicycle so the seat couldn't go high enough for me to ride it so i got him to weld a new seat post on it that was taller Impressive. So that I could keep riding the unicycle. That must make you happy, Dad. There was it some does. Building involved. It does. Uh, it's a Schwinn unicycle, and the tire's a funny size, and I'm having trouble finding... The tire got old and cracked and wore out, yeah, yeah. and I'm having trouble finding a new tire and everything. So I took it to the bike shop in Thompson, and they're yeah. working on it. So the, the unicycle's still in active duty. <laughs> I'm going to remind you of one thing that you forgot, because you were walking down Centennial East one time when I had the unicycle there, and I said, Guy, I've got to give you this unicycle back. It's yours. I've had it for a long time. And you said, Bruce, 
I've got really bad case of gas today. I don't want to. Uh-huh. I, I don't want to wheel that unicycle home. So <laughs> hang on to it. I'll get it another time. So I tried to give it back, and you were having a little bit of intestinal distress that day, and didn't want to take the unicycle. Boy, so, the, the truth blows, blows around here quite a bit. I think. <laughs> In my mind, I thought it was okay that you didn't bring it back, because at one point I'd borrowed a boat motor from your dad. <laughs> And, and the lower unit didn't have oil, and when I returned it, it the motor was kind of shot, so I thought that was a fair trade. My, my dad's gone now, but on, on yeah. his behalf, I think, we'll, can we call it even? Yes, and I'm glad, I'm glad you still got it. I'm glad you're using it. That's a good way to finish this. Thanks for listening. Just before we wrap it up, we've got an email now, snowdaypod at gmail.com. I know, welcome to 1984. Record a voice memo on your phone and send it to us. We would love to put your voice on the show with comments on what you just heard, questions for the guys, some feedback on any one of the episodes. These guys are my best friends, two freaking friends. We've always been together, we're four of a kind, having fun all day, piling around and laughing away. Just best friends, best friends are we. I love you guys. Thanks too to Shannon Bisson, The Secret Weapon.